I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com We're in March, and that means the men's season is beginning very shortly, meaning tonight. And uh, I've got good friend and person that you've heard on, I see it but I don't believe it before, Jason Morrison with me here today. We're going to do a gigantic AFL season preview, aren't we? Absolutely, and I'm very excited. Thanks for having me, Gemma. No, thank you for coming. I'm very excited about your enthusiasm <laughs> because it probably matches mine, and that doesn't happen very often. It's it's the round one excitement. It's like there's nothing to dampen the spirits yet. The only thing that's dampened my spirits is the performance of my Melbourne girls on the weekend. Uh... But other than that, I'm pumped. Well, see, I'm on the opposite side of the table, yeah. whereas the Carlton girls are... Was it four out of the last five week games won, yeah. going strongly into the finals, home final this weekend, and uh, should Adelaide win also, will be in Adelaide for the grand final. Very excited. Well, I'm going for Frio in that. But, uh, <laughs> let's get well, to Well, now this. the quote-unquote real footy oh, started. Oh, I'm so mad about that. <laughs> I could rant about that all day, but I don't want to. I want to look forward to things. Um, so what we're going to do today is go through... Every team, mm. we told you it would be big. We're going to go through every team. We've got some parameters we want to talk about for each team. And then at the end, we'll go through some predictions, some kind of outlandish statements, and uh, kind of go that way. So we're going to go through alphabetically, so we're not prioritizing anyone over anyone else, <laughs> which means we start with Adelaide. So Unfortunately. I don't mind that. Oh, you, you've got connections to port. But so what we're going to do for each club, we're going to say a player to watch out for, a player to fall out of favour, in our opinions, obviously. Expected finish. You've done a ladder. I've just done rough spots. Mm, I've even done a final series, which oh, well. is interesting to get to because yeah, I, I slide it out of my notebook now. <laughs> um, a game to look forward to on their fixture and then just anything else we want to add. And so we'll do that for each team and then we'll get to the second part later. So for you, who in Adelaide is your player to watch out for? Well, sort of having a look through it and uh, Tom Doty won mm. not only the Rising Star nom, but he won three club awards as well. Awesome. So, um, you know, they do talk about second year blues, but uh, I feel that he's looking at his stats – Towards the end of the season, what did get a bit thin. Yep. Came out of the blocks great. So, um, But yeah. he did play pretty much all season, didn't he? He did, yeah. There was and only a first-year player, that's pretty full-on. That's a great start. In a, in a relatively strong team like Adelaide. Um, so it'd be really exciting to see that someone like, like Dodie does for the season. Yeah. yeah. So I've chosen Wayne Miller. And I know that this is probably like uh, there's been a bit of talk about him. It's a bit of an obvious one to choose. But... In my head, I just have this moment against Sydney last year where he was between four or five Sydney players who are known tacklers, 
and he was able to evade all of them, mm. was agile enough to get out of the situation and then deliver the ball really well to a teammate. And it's looking like he's going to be doing more and more of that this year. He's kind of stepped up into that role. People are saying that he's the next Andrew McLeod, which is probably a bit of a stretch. But a big call there. He's a really exciting, dynamic, like exciting player um, who... I think I said exciting twice there. Sorry. <laughs> Very excited about him. Uh, and I just think he's a spark that the Adelaide midfield needs. So a lot of their players yep. are very workmanlike. They work hard. They contest the ball while they do all that. The Crouch brothers are obviously a bit more, or one of the Crouch brothers is a bit more outside than in. Yep. All that sort of stuff. But I think Miller gives them that kind of sparkle. And I know that's a bit lame to say, but he's just a really exciting, quick player that can do those things that a lot of the others can't. And then I think with the loss of Charlie Cameron two years ago in this side, yep. he kind of is stepping into that role a little bit more, moving not only in the midfield, but kind of moving through the forward line too and doing those things that maybe Eddie Betts may be getting a little bit too old to do yeah. or things like that. So he's starting to take his place in the side where uh, he previously was a couple of rungs down that ladder. And I do have, it's interesting you mentioned Eddie Betts because if we go into the next Ooh, point, really? he's, I don't necessarily think that he is someone that will fall out of favour, but I do, if you look at his goal count from 2017 to six to 18, yeah. it was about half in 2018 to what it was to 2017. How many games did he miss, like three or four? Uh, I'd have to check the exact numbers, but you know there was a few whispers towards the end of the year of him wanting to finish up at Adelaide, so it wouldn't surprise me if he calls it at the end of this year. Yeah. Um, you know... I love the guy, I love the player, and I think he's a great person. Uh, I love his social media content. Uh, <laughs> but it might be at that point where he's like, okay. It's time. He's still got magic, but is, his, um, yeah, is, he, is he the guy that might, you know, get to around, uh, you know, 20, 21 and kind of go, you know what, I'm going to have my last, last run around and go out on top. Yeah. Than, yeah. So Eddie Betts, your player to fall out of favour, but not – in a bad way, just no, to make just in journey. a yep. He, he well, still so the flashes of brilliance that was made yeah. in the household name, but um, and you know you look at the him being in the media for various things over the last um, couple of months and the yeah, constant true. racism and it's like you know how much of that can you take? Adam Goods is the is the yeah. example of that, and um, you know I want to see him run around for another ten years, but. You know, I don't think that his Eddie's... body can only take so much as well. Yeah, how many? How much more can he fly? How He's much had more hamstring can he... issues, hasn't he? Mm. Soft tissue. Once you're at that age, those sorts of injuries yeah. are much more difficult to overcome, aren't yeah. they? Uh, so my player to fall out of favour is probably one that people are going to have a go at me for. But <laughs> I've chosen Josh Jenkins, and I'm not one to talk about money that someone's on or anything like that, but. He did sign a pretty significant contract not too long ago. Mm. He's on the older side. He just needs to up his output a bit. And looking at his stats from last year, yes, they're fine. He kicked goals. He did all that. His averages last year were two goals, 13 touches and five marks, which is pretty good. But in a side that was missing Taylor Walker for a lot of the season, in a side that was needing a leader to stand up, he didn't do it. And he should have been the guy to do it, I think. And he he's put a lot of reliance on young Fogarty. And I think that because of that, this year, they probably should preference Fogarty over him because that's going to give them a longer-term success. Yeah. And if Fogarty can give them the same output... Jenkins, I don't see as a leader on the field, so he doesn't bring that either. If Fogarty can start doing the two goals, one, even one and a half goals a match, and there's 10, 15 touches a game, you probably go with Fogarty. So I think Jenkins is kind of on that knife's edge at this point. Yeah, and you know, the flip side of that, he was there by doubled Eddie Betts' goal kicking. Like he was by far the leading goal kicker for Adelaide for the year. Mm. Um, had just under 50 goals and, and played all games. So. Um, yeah, it's there's that component to it, but then also, is he going to, yeah, t- as you said, take that lead if mm. if uh, needed to, yeah, and it needs to be taken. But see, that's the thing. The thing I think that 
Eddie Betts brings that maybe Jenkins doesn't is even if his output isn't as high as you expect it to be, one, he can still turn games sometimes, yep. but two, he is a leader on the field to yeah. the younger guys. And I'm not trying to speak ill of Josh Jenkins or anything like that, but I don't see him being that guy that the team rallies around in the forward line that he needs to be, whereas yep. Eddie Betts still is that guy. So if you've got an aging guy in your forward line that maybe doesn't have the output but still brings something, you keep Eddie Betts in the side. And I know they're different forwards, but yeah, you keep Eddie Betts in the side... Josh Jenkins probably has to make way for a younger player. Yep. Unless the rock thing comes into it, which is well, a whole other story. Well, then with them losing Mitch McGovern to Carlton, it's, you know, exactly. that's a space there that they will have to fill. Mm. So, you know, we'll see how. Like, we'll he, talk about him soon, We'll actually. talk about him. And, but, you know, while Mitch McGovern was only averaging a goal in a court, like a goal, just over a goal a game, goal 1.2 mm. goals a game, uh, and only played 12 games, wasn't the bright shining light for Adelaide, but uh, definitely it's still a loss having it's a, huge loss a big man with big hands. His marking was so important for oh. them. Yeah, and I'm yeah. going to leave that conversation <laughs> for another couple of teams' time. But. Yes. Uh, well, whereabouts do you think they're going to finish this year? Looking at the AFL survey that they did last week, yep. a lot of people were putting Adelaide in the top four. I Disagree with that. I'd reckon they'll probably just miss out on finals. Really? Um, looking at the, um, you know, looking the injury list isn't too bad as of Monday. Yeah. Um, a few tests. None of the huge, like none of the big names are are on that list. Mm. But there's still a lot of. They had what eight draft picks come in. Um, I think it was eight. Yeah, it's looking like Chase Jones is gonna. Get a bit of a shot early. Get a run. Yeah. So I think even though some of those will go into the Sandville team and, you know, mm. not everyone will run, but, um, you know, to have 10, 12 players out, retired trade lists, et cetera, um, it will take them a bit of time to get momentum going. So yeah, I don't I, think they'll quite like, – I put them in sets of 10 to 12. Yeah. See, so in, in my one, I put them at 12, but I'd, they might, you know, pull a few out. I do guess that – the thing about Adelaide is I don't know enough about their bottom end talent to mm. make a big call on this, but I don't think they're as solid as a group. Probably the the bottom eight players on their yep. first 22, mm. they're not as solid as what we see in other teams. Yep. So, yeah, we saw last year when they lose a little bit of that top end talent, yep. they really do struggle. So I do think that next uh, this year this season if they do get one or two more of those injuries where are they mm. going to be at is it going to send them right back because yep. that's not a that's not a great that's a bit of an indictment on your list yeah um they came out of the blocks last year and definitely lost to Essendon that happens <laughs> uh anyway but they uh you know they they up until about a third of the way through the season halfway through the season were still in contention but then yeah dropped off the pace Pretty badly, and yeah. um, you know, finished eleventh in the end, twelfth. Uh, sorry, so I tip that I'll probably finish about the same this year. And yeah. you know, again, I there's still amazing things that are going to happen with that, you know, fifth to twelfth spot. But yeah, you know. well, we saw how tight it was last. Oh, year. it's incredible. So. Um, I've got them five to eight. I think they'll make finals, but I don't think they'll have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So, as I said before, I think. The midfield being back at full strength helps them a lot because Rory yep. Sloan did ne- like never played at his peak last year. Yep. He looks like he's raring to go. A lot was on Bryce Gibbs' shoulders. Mm. The Crouch brothers had their different injuries. I think that midfield is such a crucial part of the way they play their football and now with the new rules, which we'll touch on, yep. the midfield will really help them. But I do worry about their backline a little bit because they're they've lost some. They've they've important players are getting older. They've got some injuries down there. I know Luke Brown is injured. Jake Kelly, I think, is under a cloud. Those sorts of players are much more important to their team than people realise. Mm. Daniel Talia is thirty, I think, and he has his soft tissue injury issues. So I do just wonder about their backline. That's my only query about yep. them. I think otherwise they're a pretty solid team. They're exciting to watch. And I think they do suffer a little bit here in Victoria 
of just awareness of, like you said, of that bottom, that bottom thirty percent of players. Yeah. Um, because they're not, you know, obviously they're not talked about as much, and mm. and you know, obviously we kind of are looking at a bit deeper, so it's hard to to say. You know, if they get one or two injuries throughout the year of some of their key players, mm. um, are they going to end up fading out again, or will they kind of be a slow build as those plenty of younger players and their fresh players that they brought in as they start to, to gel with the more experienced? Um, I don't know. I just don't see them being a real threat this year in, in a grand grand scale in the grand yeah. scheme of things. It's fair enough. Do you have a game that you look forward to for these guys? It's a pretty easy one for Adelaide. I think um, I've chosen the same one. It's going to be the showdown both times, yeah. uh, round nine and round eight. Sorry, round, round eight, eight and round 16, um, pretty close together. Um, you got last year, both were within a goal. At the uh, last moments as well. Controversial. You know, the first one uh, went to Port, the second one went to Adelaide. So uh, much like a, you know, Anzac Day match or a um, whatever. Sydney it's Hawthorne match. Yeah, a Geelong Hawthorne <laughs> match. It's, it's very much, uh, yeah, it's a very... You, you get up for that game, and um, yeah, we'll see how those uh, <laughs> those things pan out. Yeah, I've I've written that it seems really obvious, but I think the first showdown, I they they live up to the hype mm. every time, and the Western one doesn't always. The Sydney one never really does. The Brisbane one or the Queensland one never does. No. This one always lives up to the hype. Yep. And it's such a good atmosphere at the ground. Not that I've been there for the ground, but you can feel it through yep. the TV and a lot of time you can't. It's such a great place to watch football, whether there or yeah. um, on television. And we'll get onto them later, but I think the two very different styles of play between Adelaide and Port Adelaide, uh, it makes it a, a beautiful game to watch. I think that's a really pure game of football. Yeah. Um, Have you got anything else to add? Uh Nothing too much. It's um, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, last year they had their whole preseason camp hanging over them the whole time, <laughs> yeah. and plenty has been said on that. But um, yeah, heads down, bums up. I think for Adelaide, just to kind of stay in the quiet a bit. But you know, can uh, Taylor Walker's moustache get any better? Can it? <laughs> I just wanted to mention Chase Jones and Ned McHenry. They seem like really great young guys mm-hmm. and attitude wise and talent wise. And I'm just really excited to see what they bring because they're, they just, they look like they're breathing a fre- bit of fresh air into that club. Just the way they go about it, the yep. smiles on their faces all the time. They just seem like good kids. So, um, I'm really keen to see, I think Chase Jones again, as I said before, he looks like he's going to get an early start. I'm keen to see what either of them are able to do this year or how much of an impact they're able to have because yep. there's a pretty significant pool of young talent heading into this season that people are keeping their eye on, probably more than we've seen in other seasons. Mm. Okay, that's right. Adelaide off the list. We're <laughs> up to Brisbane. Done. We're up to B. Thanks, Crows. <laughs> so who is your player to watch at Brisbane? Uh, I've got a couple. Um, I've been a big fan of Eric Hipwood for a while. Yep. Um, and I think... Much like a lot of key forwards, obviously it takes a couple of years to to, to get going. But yeah. such a skinny lad last year, <laughs> and but just, he doesn't look that much bigger this year. No, but I saw a, a photo of him today, and I'm like, okay, you can see he's put on a bit of bit of muscle, and I think he's yeah. um, I think he last year he kicked uh, fifty. No, sorry, he didn't kick fifty goals, but I'm tipping him to kick fifty yeah. goals this year. Uh, particularly, you know, it'll constantly be said every team what players will really suit the six 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 rule, and yeah. I think a guy oh, like for him. Sure, yeah. um, but then linking with Charlie Cameron, who I think is only the second person ever to get mark and goal of the year in the same year. Um, <laughs> and uh, wait, no, he got nominated for both. He didn't get. Didn't them he both. win them both? No, because sorry, Isaac, I take it back. Isaac uh, Heaney won mark of the year, mate. No, and goal of the year actually did go to Jack. So he got nominated for both, though, which I don't think we've seen both. before. It hasn't hasn't been for a while. Well, Peter Bazzasto won them both in '82, so we'll leave that there. <laughs> um, I don't know why he won them both, but it's you know again an exciting player and to link in with Hitwood. Uh, and Cam Rayner as well, three yeah. three young guys that uh, make Brisbane's brand of football a very exciting brand to watch. Mm. Um, and I think they got 
I did hear someone else say this um, a couple of days ago, but that's what helped them get off the same criticism that a Carlton or a um, Gold Coast got, even though they fin- all finished you know, in the bottom part of the ladder. Brisbane, you can see very much these exciting young kids, these yeah. stars, and it's it's building. And I think that Brisbane will hit finals before a Carlton or a Gold Coast. Gold Coast or a Frio, will. probably. Or a Frio, yeah. But, yeah, there are a couple of my players that I'm excited to, to see as the as the year goes on. So I've chosen one of those. Mm. Um, I know a lot of players go through a plateau in their second year. You said it before. Mm. Uh, because it is that kind of, it, it is a bit of a hurdle to get over that second year. But I've chosen Cam Rayner because I think he's going to just keep accelerating because he's he was really different to a lot of other young players in the competition in their first year in that he already was a big, strong guy yep. coming in. He didn't get bashed around as much because he wasn't as small and he didn't need to build his body up as much to do a lot of that stuff. And then the other thing was they set, uh, played him in the forward line a lot so he didn't get as knocked around. Mm. So he doesn't come into it like maybe uh, Mark Murphy did when he was in his second year and stuff where they've gone in and they've just been bashed every single week they went out yep. there. Um, he's been able to play a little bit freely, probably differently to what he was playing in juniors because... He was probably targeted as a junior a bit more as well. So I'd expect he still plays up forward, but I think 666 helps him Mm. because he does have that one-on-one strength that if they get it into him quickly and Hipwood's making space for him and their forwards are smart, he'll be able to accelerate as a forward and then as he gets more fitness up or whatever he needs to to run through that midfield. Not that they need him in there because they've got a stacked young midfield. Yeah. it just kind of allows him to build up into that without too much pressure on him. So I do think that he'll have a really good year this year, but mm. I think he'll kick a lot of goals and he'll be really dangerous around goal more than he will up the field. Yeah. He kicked 20... He played all, ga- all the games last year and kicked yeah, 20 goals. Yeah, which is unbelievable. So he's definitely... Um, with Hitwood kicked 35, I think it was. Yeah, I think 37. He, was, he was slightly down in the year before. Yeah. But it was more even across the board, their forwards kicking goals last year. Yeah, let me... Are we able to bring it up here? Uh, I've got the um, the spreadsheets here in front of me. But, uh, yeah, I think he'd kicked... Yeah, he's in the top five goal kickers. Zorko, obviously, um, and then Cam Rayner was number five. So it was... Even though they are all within 15 between Hipwood and, and Rayner... Um, Expect all of those numbers to, yeah, to boost up sure. as the team kind of starts to get a bit of momentum, and I know I've got them down for a couple more things to mention later on in the. In the well, episode. on that, who is your player to fall out of favour? I'm going to guess ours is the same. I actually just realised I haven't got a name down here. Um, I th- I think it's more going to be the kids showing up than than the older players um, falling behind. Well, not so much falling behind, but team moving forward rather than yep. than someone outstanding falling behind, you know? Um, I've chosen Daniel Rich. He's just not been the same player he was before he did his knee. Mm-hmm. That was years ago, we know that, but he used to be a really damaging long kick. He used to get really involved. He used to be a really uh, contested player. Yep. And then after he did his knee, I think he lost a bit of confidence. And this is not an indictment on him being not being brave or anything like that. And I hate that bullshit in football. (laughs) It's rubbish. But I just think he's lost the confidence in terms of contests and tackling. Yep. Um, So he got moved to that halfback position because he did have a damaging boot, but he's just lost his ability to use his skills the best way they could be used. I was listening to someone talk about it and they were saying that particularly in AFLW, but even AFLM, that the doing a knee, it's nearly a two-season yeah. injury. Because by the time that it heals, and then it's getting that confidence back to be able to turn, jump, etc. And I can speak from experience. <laughs> doing your ACL is actually, it's not a small thing. Mm. And we hear it all the time in sport that a player's done their ACL and you think that it's just like, oh yeah, it's just an injury. It's a really significant injury. And the psychology behind trusting your leg again yeah. is 
half of the battle. It's mm. not just the physical thing. And you think you're right. You think you're right. And that's why a lot of players come back that little bit early because they think they're good to go and they do it again. So yep. I just don't think he's ever got past that hurdle in his mind. Will that be something you think he might have worked in the off-season? Like it might be something you have to wait and see for the first few games to see where he sits? But it's been a few years and he. I think clearly that positional change was made because of it. because of that. Yeah. And I think he could be a really damaging player of halfback because, as we said, he's got that elite kicking. But I just don't think he ever ended up reaching his full potential. Mm. And now with a lot of these young guys coming through who do have incredible skill, they're all, they all run really hard. And then the whole Luke Hodge being on that halfback line yep. as well, directing players, which becomes even more significant this year. Mm. I think that Rich starts to fall down in contention a little bit yeah. because there are a lot of young players that showed in the preseason as well that they're really putting their hand up and this list starts to have a lot of depth. Absolutely. And I worry for Daniel Rich that he's it's gone past him a little bit. Will Luke Hodge play next year? Well, obviously, this season hasn't started and his contract was a couple of years and then into coaching. Do you think that if he I... might continue on on this in a, a third season with Brisbane as... As things momentum starts to build, if they have a season where they jump four or five places, I don't think that's got anything to do with it. I think the rule changes may have something to do with it. Yeah, right. I wonder if he continues next year to play ten games because they need him to play significant games where they don't have a runner. I think that. Could oh, have of course. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a very valid point, and also because he wouldn't have to push up the ground, not have to, but wouldn't. Need is not they, the right word either. The, they won't need it as much because to push up the ground those young players will have progressed yeah. a lot. Uh, I wonder if that has an impact. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in his head. I know yeah. he's been quite outspoken about it. So if maybe he can do some sort of player-coach thing mm. um, where he kind of substitutes a runner in some ways because he does have that mindset, yeah. maybe that influences his choice to go on. And I think that we'll see... Well, it's always there. There's always a player or there's a couple of players in any decent team where yeah. they have that coaching aspirations or training. And um, I think that that will be more and more players will be more encouraged slash given the ability to develop their coaching skills earlier Yeah. so that they can they be can do that, better yeah. leaders on field. Well, I think he, Jared McVeigh does that for Sydney and he's, Projected yep. to have a coaching role, I'm sure. Sam Doherty is. Yeah. he's is, 24 and he's doing that already. He's like, on, yep. um, yeah, I do think that could impact it. Anyway, uh, expected finish. Where do you think Brisbane are going to end up this year? Uh, I've put them at 12th. Yep. Uh, I've said that they'll be unlucky to miss out on finals if things go their way. Their injury list has only got three players that are, you know, more than a test or mm. more than, you know, um, so the first round will really come down to who's the best available. Yeah. Um, I think it's... I think Darcy Garden is probably their biggest injury concern. That's it. And, and you know, isn't... Uh, sorry, I take it back. Isn't it? And Jared Berry oh, has tr- glandular fever, so that can... Oh, that's not good. That can take whatever shape that'll... Yeah. You know, that could be six weeks. That could be the whole season. So, um, but overall, it's it's looking pretty good on the injury front. Mm. Um while they've lost um, the beams, um, they've also, you know, Lucky Neal's come in. See, I saw beams last year, a very good player, don't get me wrong, but gets a lot of the, kind of like what Buckley said about Mitchell, gets a lot of the ball, but doesn't always do a lot with it. Mm. And I think a lot of people, um, Damien Barrett being one, uh get really blinded by the stats. If they haven't watched the game, they look at the stats and assumes, oh, if you've got over 30 touches, you must have had a good game. But it doesn't always mean yeah. that. And this is my issue. We'll talk about it later. But Gary Rowan, people look at his stat sheet, assume that he's done nothing. But he does so much off the ball yeah. that people that don't get recorded in a stat, like your pressure on an opposition's kick when you don't touch him yep. doesn't get recorded as a stat. But if you're doing that constantly to turn the ball yep. over, you're having a huge impact without touching the ball. Yeah. And that's what some players' roles are. And the reverse of that is that a lot of touches doesn't mean you've had a doesn't good game. Yeah. But anyway. it'll be interesting 
even without the touches, that's even with him having, like you say, the more touches, having the possession of the ball mm. and being able to get that to the next person. But I guess Neil is a ready-made replacement. Yeah. Um, I've got them 10 to 14th, so about the same spot. Mm. I think they'll scare some teams. Yep. And I think they'll get a, some really high scores on the board. Because that was the thing last year is their losses weren't big. Yes. Compare that to, say, Carlton or Suns, the wins were small and the losses were massive. Mm. Brisbane it was the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're going to be a team, even with a Luke Hodge on the ground, they're going to be a team that has some brain fades late in close games yep. because they're not getting those messages from the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that will affect them pretty significantly this year and we'll see it happen this year and then it won't happen again. I think they'll yep. learn that lesson. There was a great example of uh, Cam Rayner. I've forgotten what game it was, but exactly that. And the coach was like... Oh, the kick around the corner? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, this is your this is your first season. Like... You've done that. You know the process. It's not a grand final. It's not finals. You can. That's okay. It's completely. Can I just okay. say as well? I adore Chris Fagan. <laughs> like with my whole heart, I love him. I think he is wonderful. I think his personality has changed that yep. club more than his football brain has, and. The players clearly love him. Mm. I think he's such a champion, and we need more people like him, yep. and less people like Dermot Brereton in the. You know what I mean? It's like, such a shift in coaching in general, and yeah. I think it's, I think it's partially the Alistair Clarkson model, mm. and partially people who, people in general who are just more aware of uh, under thirty-year-old dynamics, yeah, uh, life dynamics, and you know, while at the time your your classic coaches and that hard nut approach had its time and place. Now, doesn't mean the players are softer. It just means that the way that their brains are wired are different. So I think there are players who might have fallen off really early in the 60s, 70s, 80s because there was no nurturing element. And there might be players now who might need that, like, hard element to really push them, but that that coach, like Fagan, um, like we spoke about before off-air of Nathan Buckley, um, who I also love, can I just say? Yep. Uh, and you know, your Brendan Boltons who are really building a, a not a positive culture. It's more than just a positive culture, but it's a really... Just um, an awareness of other people's needs, I yeah. guess, is the thing. But I And a love in the club. Yeah. I think that's a not too corny a word that's to use. That's something that Hardwick's been able to do recently as well. Mm, oh, um, the, but, clip, the clip today of when... Uh, Re- How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Rewald Rocked up. The daughter. And, yep. Yeah. Um, the but thing, we'll talk more about yeah. him a little bit later. The thing about Fagan that really sold me on him, and before we get back on topic, is that I remember seeing him coaching against... I don't know, his team, like Brisbane were doing reasonably well and then something happened, they lost the game late. Mm. And I saw him 
angri- very, very angrily hit the table. And as soon as he'd hit it, he apologized to everyone in the box. And it was just like, I've never seen a coach immediately think, this has bothered other people. It's not all yep. about them. And I think that is the difference. Mm. I think he's wonderful. I really love him. <laughs> um, what is the game you have to look forward to? I've got uh, round five versus oh, Collingwood. I have the same one. Easter Thursday Easter at the Gabba. Easter Thursday, yep. Obviously against uh, Beams playing against his old team. That's always a nice, like it'd be great to see Brisbane, you know, put on, they, they, against the grand finalists. Chances are they won't win, but that could be a really great upset. Yeah, uh, and the other one will be round six in the Q Clash, and following on that, Zorko Miller kind of oh, true, shake yeah. the hand, didn't shake the hand, <laughs> kind of just a little bit of a. If nothing else, that makes what could be a rather uninspiring game for non Queenslanders. Yeah, it's like I'm going to tune in just to see what <laughs> could happen in that moment. Um, but I think in that game, Brisbane will run them down. Like, yeah, uh, particularly it's round six. Um, the other note I had for Brisbane is while they might be unlucky to miss out on finals. Well, not unlucky. They'll be lucky to get that close to finals um, and start the year really strong Mm. with the young bodies and that they'll kind of tire out and they'll kind of fade a little bit towards the end of the season. Yeah, which um, we saw happen last year as well. Yeah, and that's what a whole other season in their legs will will set them up to be the next um, 0-1-0 for Brisbane Lions. (laughs) Um, I... Yeah, I did choose that Easter Thursday game. I'm really glad that they have kind of a marquee game because mm. I think they're building something that's worth watching yep. and worth showcasing. Um, so I'm glad that they're being rewarded with that. But I also want to mention that I think the rut combination we see at Brisbane at the end of the year will be very different to the one that starts the year. Yeah, right. Um, I think if Archie Smith hadn't gone down with that injury early, like in JLT, he'd probably be pushing Stefan Martin for that ruck spot. Particularly, um, particularly going up against West Coast, mm. wanting to have the real athletic player in the middle that can jump and do all those things. Stefan Martin is more of a grunt work player who runs a lot. He's very, very fit, covers a lot of ground. But I think Archie Smith has that um, athletic kind of game style that could really benefit them. So I think we'll start to see him get into the team. And I think uh, there's a, they've got a young guy who have now forgotten his name who pinch hits as their second ruck but sits forward. Yep. So I think there's only spot for one of those two in the team. And I feel like Archie Smith might pip Stefan Martin by the end of the year. And I'm a big Stefan Martin fan. Yeah. I just think if your club's going with the youth thing, um, he probably starts to get spots. Yeah. Then that's And you want, as we keep seeing with these developing teams, is you want the games in the legs – as soon as possible. Exactly, and that's how I feel about some stuff that Carlton have done that I've that we can talk about right right now. Great segue. Um, I'm going to be very restrained in this because I'm not because my player to watch is one that I love. I'll, uh, <laughs> I just before we go on to talking about this year, at the same point last year, Carlton won both JLTs against I think it was St Kilda and I know it was Essendon and St Kilda. I think it might have been or Hawthorne and St Kilda, and uh, you know you're looking at I'll just. I got so worked up last year at this you time. You did, I remember. And uh, to come out five goals up against Richmond in the first quarter. I was, I was so wa- good. <laughs> I was watching in a hotel in Brisbane and uh, then obviously we got went down, but that's okay and, you know, the rest is history. So I've the lid's been put back a little bit more on at this point, but <laughs> I think to start off that, I think we'll have so much, we'll have such a better year. Yeah. On field and off field um, than what we did in 2018. So, <laughs> player to watch, because I, I definitely did not choose the same one as you, covering my notes. Well, uh, if you take out Patrick Cripps, because we all know what Patrick Cripps is, and we take captain out... Now. Captain now. Uh, and we take out Sam Walsh, because everyone's talking about him, and yep. he's got nothing to show for it yet, other than two reasonably strong performances in the JLT, but that is what it is. Um, my two favourite players are... Um, Zach Fisher yes. and Sam petresky seaton Yep. Um, petresky seaton had a bit of that second-year blues last year, no pun intended. Um, but <laughs> I think he is on the cusp of being a great um, great sort of wing outside mid uh, player. And Fisher, one of the – I read a quote saying that Cripps was 
that uh, Jack Rewalt was scared of what he unleashed with Patrick Cripps at JLT, <laughs> sending him a bit forward and being able to have that. But I think having um, Zach Fisher in there was very underrated um, because he could get the disposals and could get the possessions from these high-end talent mm. who he's he's at that end in the Carlton team. Oh, the yeah, scale. he definitely is. And I think it's because he's a really smart player as well, yep. which is something that mm. – they really lost with Doherty gone. Yep. Uh, he's so clever with the way he uses the ball and the decisions he makes. Yep. Because he, he generally plays off that half-back, doesn't mm. he? Yeah. yeah. Half-back and through the mid. Yeah. Is, and, and he's only a little guy, yeah. but he's just so smart. And, and that, really tight with Patrick Cripps off-field as well. And yeah. I think that dynamic, that'll be the next kind of one-two when Carlton progressed to final, deep into the finals. Yeah. Um, that'll be that one too that will really, uh, and then add in Walsh, blah, blah, blah. But also I cannot wait. I don't know if he'll get it until like second half of the season, but the day that Ben Silvani runs yeah. out, fuck me. <laughs> oh, I'm getting tingles. Like oh. he's much, oh, he's so much more like his dad. And I, I think he'll run rings around Jack in the long, long activity scale. Yeah. Uh, he'll, but, um. He's also very, you listen to him talk when he got drafted, and he's very aware of his place yeah. and his time and just needing that. So he might play all season in the seconds, but oh, I can't wait for him. Oh, I'm going to cry when they do the video. <laughs> There's been so many already this week of, of not just not so much Carlton players, but any player who's the coach is like, and we're playing uh, Joe Blow for the first game and everyone gets around him like, yeah. I'm anyway. Um, so I think players to watch out for, for Fisher and, and Samo will be too. So I've chosen one that you're probably not surprised with. I've chosen my man, Nick Newman. Yeah. Uh, obviously came in from the Swans. Yep. Uh, I After he left, I'm never getting a player's number or name on my jersey again. <laughs> but I think he's a really underrated pickup in the context of who else they got. Yep. Um, and now that uh, Doherty's gone down for another year... Newman is going to be so invaluable because he is really level-headed. He's ne- he's only 25, I think, but he's a senior player in the Carlton yep. list. He'll play really well off Cade Simpson, off that halfback. He tackles really hard, and he also um, he kicks the ball really well, and that's his, uh, that's his big thing is that yep. his left foot is deadly. It, some of the uh, goal assists he got to Buddy, like his kicks inside 50 – are so damaging, and him being able to do that off the back line will really steady Carlton a little bit because yep. they're not panicked trying to get it forward. Yep. Um, the only flaw in his game, I think, is that he's a bit slow. He's not a super agile player, but if he can just steady the ship a little bit, and then Cade Simpson is that real rebounding defender, and Nick Newman will just do the tackling work, he'll do all that grunt work, and then get the ball out to the, the runners, yep. he's going to be a really important conduit between the young talent totally. and then moving the ball forward. Because there was so much instance last year of us getting the initial push out of defence yep. and not being able to go past the fifth, not even the fifty, past the centre circle. Yeah. Like you'd get to that kind of the flank or the, uh, you know, past the traditional centre half forward position into the square, but not being able to get it past that because of someone, you know, um, not not a cool head, not someone who can kind of find where the midfielders are. And that and happens with young them. players and you don't begrudge them for that because yep. everyone makes those mistakes. It just looks a lot worse when everyone's making them at the same time. And you've got Simo who's, say, bought it out of the back or him and Liam Jones um, have have done the hard work in the, in the last line defence, put it out to that. Second last line of events. Yeah, and then it comes straight back. And then it kind of comes straight back. And the amount of times it was just, you know. And so when you've got the three big guys hanging out down forward, plus a guy like um, Gibbons who... Oh, so excited about him. He will work his ass off to prove the point that he deserves to be there. And you saw it in the first JLT game. He's yeah. like, I deserve to be here more than... Not more than some of these other players, but... He had to work a lot harder to get there. Yeah. He is that that bigger body, that, that more, uh, not so much more experienced, but more physically ready Physically ready, ready, ready yeah. Body. And the same with Nick Newman, um, getting in someone uh, like Mitch McGovern, and you will sort of like, this is all the Alex Vasolo, <laughs> Tom Bug, which 
that was a great Gone. investment. Um, but I forgot about him to be honest. That's <laughs> that's a whole. I've, I'm going to talk to him when we get to Melbourne because I don't even count him as a Carlton player. Um, <laughs> but it really was Silvani's, not just Silvani, but he mentioned it so often in Bolton about three or so years of draft and then bringing the experience bodies and then pushing that forward and they've stuck to that and like you said about Nick Newman slot right in and those first couple of matches he seems to have really got his spot and mm. it's really gelling well together so I'm stoked for Carlton because mm. he's a really great person to have there I'm shattered <laughs> still still devastated about it but you move on who's your player to fall out of favor though this is a really easy one is Levi it? Kasbolt oh that's a pretty obvious yeah okay he's he played, I forgot he existed. That's exactly right. Like he's really in a lot of the Carlton socials of of the last the second half of the last season, the last mm. season. So he's not a very he's a bit more of a family man, and not so much, you know, younger guys who are out and about doing stuff. But well, he's only twenty seven. Yeah, but you look at his his statistics last year. He barely played, didn't he? Yeah, got dropped a few times. And when you're kind of 27 and getting dropped back to um, the VFL team, who's also not mm. – is being quite severely um, depleted mm. to cover the injuries in the firsts, and he's not getting a game at firsts, um, who knows, maybe he will. But he's then got to compete against Yeah, if you're Mac- a selector, do you choose him or Mackay? Because Mackay is probably the one on the lowest of those big forwards, McGovern, Kerner. At present, ask me again in six weeks' time. But Mackay cho- will definitely have his like his mitts ready. Yeah, but do you choose Casbolt or do you choose Mackay? For round one, I'd choose Mackay. Exactly. No one's choosing Levi Casbolt unless they're desperate and they've had injuries. Mm. Because if he's performing, giving you about the same output as what those young guys are, and you're focusing on the future, it's not on winning a flag this year, why would you put him in the team? Yeah. He's not going to be in their next flag. He's got great hands, Levi Casbolt. He can't kick. But he can't kick, and his second efforts have been disappointing. Yeah. And I do remember watching a match last year, where, or the year before, actually, sorry, that final game of 2017 mm. that we talk about often. That we gave you, that we gave Buddy a... Ten goals, gave him the Coleman, yep. yeah. Um, he... Clearly had something wrong with his knee. He couldn't jump. So the one thing that he did great, mm. he couldn't even do that. So, yeah. And Mackay is taller than him as well. Mackay is so much taller than I realised. Uh, yeah. I can't remember Mackay's exact it's height. It's like 200 and something. It's definitely... He's a giant. But and like we've, we've spoken about before, you know, you look at Patrick Cripps, who's only a couple of centimetres, like 196 or something, 195. And so even Patrick Cripps going to the forward line this mm. year, which is... He's tipped to play 20%. Rather than him coming off, they'll push him forward. Yeah. Let someone like a Charlie Kerno push up onto the wings who yeah. can also take a great grab. And, oh, my gosh, that mark against Collingwood, it looked exactly like oh, Jesse Lenko's mark. Oh, he took two that day. That game, the second one was better, but yeah. that one was just over Collingwood at the MCG in the same spot. It's like Jesse Lenko's not dead. I for that. Yeah, yeah Jesse Lenko's <laughs> not dead, but his spirit, like, possessed <laughs> Kerno in that moment. And it was great. That's the stuff that will – Having someone like him who can push, not push forward, but push push mid and push deeper. And just be damaging. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've chosen one that I didn't want to choose, but I feel like it's necessary. Uh, Liam Jones. Yep. I think that patch he had in 2017 was unbelievable and awesome that he was able to do it. But after about those 10 games, he got found out a little bit and he just hasn't been able to replicate even close to that form, he's. I don't like saying this, but I don't think he's a very smart footballer, and I think that hurts him more than his athleticism mm. or anything. We know he can run, we know he can do all that stuff. Yep. He just doesn't learn the lesson, and he takes silly risks. I think his greatest flaw last year was that the backline we had in 2017, where you had Doherty mm. and Simpson. And then um, Jones could float across that half-back line and make those spoils and be that big presence Yeah. with no Doherty meant that there was no one directing that. Yeah. And he then he had to play lost. more of a – exactly right. And so now with no Doherty, I think Carlton are much more prepared. Yeah. But I also think that 
Um, with Doherty, Liam Jones, it doesn't have to be Doherty specifically, but with a player like Doherty with such a great football brain and a very um, smart, good footballer, Liam Jones is much more exposed and much less. Yeah. I just think, yeah, if you don't learn the lesson the first or second time you get caught out, then you're not adapting to what the game expects of you. Mm. And I think that's the issue. And I felt really sorry for him in that game at the end of 2017 where Buddy kicked 10 because when Buddy's going to do that, Buddy's just going to do that. The fact that Bolton didn't pull him off was obviously him teaching him the lesson yep. that you've got to try to work something out. And he just continued to play Buddy exactly the same way every time. Mm. So you think, okay, 2018... He comes in, having learned that lesson, he's a bit smarter. And I didn't see any of that from yeah. him this year, last year. And I think that if he doesn't show that he's improved on that sort of stuff this year, it's not about his body, it's not about the way he plays physically, it's about him being smarter to adapt to the situation. Mm. If he can't do that this year, then what? he's not a real footballer. That, like, yeah. that sounds really harsh, no, and no. I don't want it to be that way, but he just doesn't have the brain... To be able to play that position. The tactical brain. To yeah, play. exactly. So maybe what that there's no real space for him up forward because you'll have the big guys up forward already. So exactly. it'll be interesting to see what it does. The other person I've got on that, and there is whispers of it at the moment, is Jack Silvani. Um, not that I dislike Jack, and I think they did play him around a little bit too much last year and in and out. Um, and I think this is more of a fan expectation than a necessarily coaching or... Um, Industry expectation mm. with that Silvani name, you want him to be great, want him to do best. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how they settle him down. Now they've got a much more settled team overall, a settled um, overall squad. Yeah, that they can really find his spot because he'll go back into the VFL, play him a bit more forward, and do decent numbers and do okay, put him back in and then they'll put him back forward everywhere and not let him develop. So He had patches last year where he was really good, but he just wasn't able to show it across a whole game. Yeah. And I didn't watch him closely enough to know whether that was him being moved positionally yep. to not be able to continue playing that way or whether it was just him fading in and out. Because that game against Richmond in round one, he was fantastic early in the game mm. and he kind of faded out and I wasn't taking enough notice to work out mm that was him or if that was positional or if someone went to him, I wasn't quite sure, but I'd love to see him really excel. Yep. It'd be great. It'd be, you know, having both. And he's only what, 21? Yeah. I think this is the, I think 2016, 2017 was his first season. So he's only, he's only three years in or so. Yeah. So there's no like, again, no male. I think it's the expectation from fans. is yeah. Just the, the carry on the name. But like I said, if you've got both, Kurnos, both Silvanis. Um, so, sort of like how Collingwood have a few going on yeah, there as well. Yeah, it's going to be a really nice. So where forward. do you expect them to finish? I've got 14th. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a vast improvement, but still six to seven wins. Yep. Um, again, a couple of upsets, a couple where they'll be like, this is the Carlton we're going to know and maybe love, depending on which side of the, you know, Defense, you're on who they're playing, yeah. but they'll still get done. A couple, there'll be a couple of games where they just will just get rolled, yeah. and it'll be unavoidable. It'll just be the car's broken down on the train line, and it's like let's just try and minimise the damage rather than uh, <laughs> <laughs> rather than um, getting out of the way. But and it doesn't get talked about enough in these sort of conversations, not necessarily you and I, but in um, talking about the team. But over the last couple of years, Carlton's off-field recruitment has been f- fantastic. Yeah. And the, the drafting, it's not really the, quite the right word, but of um, – I've forgotten his first name, Jack Russell. Um, I forgot what his first name is, but they, they call him Jack. From Hawthorne, the, he's their high-performance coach oh. who went with Clarkson when Clarkson went from Port Adelaide to Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, he was around at that time and, and went with Clarkson there and uh, – to getting all those injuries we had last year and all these young bodies to really becoming with these great uh, programs and really getting that side of it down as these bodies are going from first, second years into third, fourth years and the injuries we're seeing last year, he is going to be as important 
to the club as any player on field. Yeah. Um, and you hear them talk about it, how much respect and how much like time the players and the coaching are like, right, he's putting these programs in place and getting these bodies right so that we don't get three 100-point losses in the last four weeks. Which we lose, was a, yeah. You know, so uh, that's a really big acquisition for Carlton amongst yeah. everything else. Uh, I not maliciously expect them around the 16 to 18 mark again and I still think we're going to see huge improvement from them mm. but I think this year the competition's going to tighten up even more and it's going to be harder for them to get far off the bottom ladder but I think while the points may not be hugely different to what they were last year I think we're going to see the improvement in what their percentage is yeah I don't see them being beaten by as much as often yeah we're only on Less than 60% last year. Yeah, I think we're going to see a huge improvement there. They're going to be a lot closer. They're probably going to be closer to what Brisbane were last year Mm -hmm. in terms of losing the close ones, but when they win, it's convincing. Yep. Um, So, yeah, I still see them 16, 18. I probably see them more at 16 than I do 18, but I think the tightness of the competition will work against them a little bit. I think there'll almost be a mutiny if they win Spoon again. (laughs) I don't even... I'm I'm saying that as, as the way that they've built it up, not just built up expectation, but just kind of things are starting to happen that if they get wooden spoon again, it's like, well, fuck this, we might as well fold. Let's just do it. Let's just throw in the towel. Yeah. And I think um, one thing they did with their supporters this year is upgrade everyone's membership for free as a bit of a, okay, we know we our well, spot last year. Well, it's a record year. membership as well, isn't it? Yeah, uh, 56,000, I think, at this point. It's, yeah. You know, which is great. And so people are believing in it, so... The flip side of that is you get round one, which to go into the next one, game I'm looking forward to is yep. obviously round one. Yeah, I've chosen the same one. We surely they're not all the same that we've chosen. <laughs> Rich, Richmond Carlton is, is <laughs> you know, I think Richmond have won the last five or six in a row, but before that Carlton run 10 out of the last 12. Yeah. So it's a really litmus test of, you know. Who's up, who's down. Who's up, who's down. And, you know, AFL want Carlton, Richmond, Collingwood, Essendon to at least two of those to be cranking. Not that they're kind of... You know, not that it's a given, but I think it's a fair season opener because, mm. you know, in three years' time, we might, might be much more I mean, even. I have no issue with it being the season opener. Like, there is genuine rivalry there that's built up by tradition. I had the issue with it in, or the traditional rivals thing in the AFLW because they were completely different teams. They didn't have that history. But in this, even when the teams are going poorly, they still kind of yeah. have that kind of menace to them and it's interesting. Last it's round year, one, there's 90,000 people. There's like, optimism. That's that's a key. Yeah, that's a key and guy. yeah, I've chosen that one as well for that specific reason. It's Mark Murphy's 250th. It's I'm Jack Rewalt's yeah. 250th. Holy the same shit. game. Um, and while we're on stats, if Carlton lose more than six games, which is a bit of a given, like mm. even you look at the only team that didn't do that last year was Richmond, but um, we'll make... Kate Simpson, the most losingest player ever, oh. has, has, has. I think it's both. I don't know if it's the percentage is the greatest as well. Yeah. But just the amount of games played, lost, that'll be oh. make him the most ever, which is really oh, sad. Kate. He's amazing. It's look. He's you know in the same way as Murph, and just been plugging along through the Even last cruiser, cruiser as well. He's one who I don't think will get up this year, but. Um, well, this sorry for round one. I think that, Phillips and who was the other one that looked quite good in the JLT? Uh, it's from Port Adelaide. It's um, yeah, his name slips my mind, but we've got a nickname for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add that's not too long? Because I know on Carlton you could go long, which is what I'd do on Sydney. Because uh, I have one thing. No, I, that's look. I've kind of said said most of it. I, as I said, Gibbons. Um, looking forward to looking forward to seeing Silvani. Finbar O'Dwyer, the redhead, the skinny redhead kid, will be a cult favourite in the next couple of years. <laughs> and uh, Patrick Kerr, I can't wait for him to get a good run. Yeah. Um, that's Haste last year. And Tom DeConing. There's some of these players who are like fringe players. Yeah. But young fringe players. So We're waiting for one or two to really present themselves, aren't you? Yeah. And then there'll be, you know, well, Pols- personal favourites. Paulson. Paulson did that in preseason. Mm. So did Cunningham. Oh, that, sorry. That's who I haven't even gotten to yet. But, yeah. Um, anyway, that's I got. I have one thing, and another probably unpopular opinion. I tend to have those. 
Um, the draft thing, the live trade at the draft mm-hmm. with Adelaide, the trading out first pick to get Liam Stocker, uh, future first round, obviously, for this yep. year to get Liam Stocker. I think it was great because continuing to have these number one picks year after year and each of them developing kind of on their own in a team that isn't very good, Mm. no matter how good that one player is, look at Mark Murphy, look at Bryce Gibbs for that time, look at Matt Cruiser, like they're number one picks, but they're not being able to develop as a group together to become a really good team. And from where Carlton was... They really needed to develop a big group together and that becomes really difficult Mm. when people are impatient. So them deciding, okay, now's the time. We have this really strong young core of players that are developing well, led by players like Cripps and the Kernos and all these sorts Mm -hmm. of players. Why not have a crack? Liam Stocker was a player that they really wanted, that they expected to go earlier in the draft. He was still there. Why not try it? I think it was a genius move mm. because now he can develop with Sam Walsh, with Paddy Dow, with all those players instead of them waiting to get someone next year after having another shit year. Like, it just made sense to me. And all this argument about what the points are worth and how it'll break even for them and all this shit, like, it's not all about that. <laughs> And teams have shown that you can build a team around not having any first-round draft picks for a very long time or number one draft picks or anything. So I think it was actually a really smart move and people needed to look at it in more of a, an overall context instead of this pick is worth this many points and this is how much they're going to give up next mm. year. So I just wanted to get that out because I think people are being really irrational about it it was really, really smart. And I think Liam Stocker is going to give them more for the long term because it seems like he's a really switched-on kid. He's really mm. enthusiastic to be there. And the fact that he has can now bond with a player like Sam Walsh, who, again, great personality coming into the club, great player. Um, Paddy Dow, who's only a year ahead of them. It just makes sense. And I, as a Carlton fan, would be really excited. Yep. And I'm not a Carlton fan and I'm excited about it, you know? I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with all of that. And I think someone worked out the numbers that if Adelaide finished first mm. and Carlton finished 12th, that's, that's – I think that's the, that's the gap. Yeah. Uh, but who cares? Like, you take the, risks every time you take a draft pick. That's, what, that's exactly it. It's like it's, it's not that – it's not – Adelaide won't finish first. No. I'll put 100 bucks on it. And Carlton won't finish 12th. I'll put no. A, I'll put, a, I'll put a, a double on that, right? So, if we lose a couple of positions in the draft, but we have this kid who may not start his first game till midway through the season, but is a grown-up a Carlton kid whose dad loves the like you see the and will have had another preseason in him before next year. They and when we start to really push twenty twenty onwards, he'll be right there in that mix of young mm. kids, and it'll, it'll be looked at like the baby bombers. Yeah. It'll be looked at like um, your Mosquito Fleet from Carlton back in the day. It'll be looked like these core of, of players, cores of teams, mm. you know, your midfields of Brisbane. and you know That stick together for a long time as well. And, and they, they've give it, been given that chance to bond. And and all these kids are signed up. Even kids haven't, like, um, Lucky Stocker. I think Stocker, I know Walsh had that. They've already signed on a couple of year extension. Yeah. Like, people want to be there. And they want to build this together. And regardless of being a Carlton fan or not, that's a, such a big thumbs up that, okay, even if they still lose, the culture is great, mm. the team is great, the, the team around them is great, and um, they're making right decisions. And it's if they do poorly again this year, but they're developing this group, a number one draft pick isn't going to change that. It's going to be that group that changes the club. Mm. And they'll be able to help develop players that came later in the draft better because they're going to be better positioned. So, yeah, um, you've got to take risks to get a lot of reward, and I think it was a great risk to take. Yep. Even if it backfires a little bit this year, I think in the long term people will look back and be like, that was genius. And you look at what Stephen Savani has done at uh, GWS mm. to help get that going, there is a bit of, pr- uh, bit of proof already. There is yeah. a bit of track record for him that he's not just doing these for the sake of doing it. Um, and his love and connection for the club, I would say, would prov- not want him to make stupid decisions. 
He, yeah, he oh. as much as anyone would not want the club to be languishing at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. Certainly. So to make these smart decisions with a smart group of people and uh, a really exciting group of, of kids and people, ring-ins, um, I'm, I'm okay with the way it looks now. I'm okay with us not getting Shield. And we'll talk about them Essendon in a minute. But, um, you know, again, it'd be great if we won 13, 14 games and finished in the eight. But realistically, 2021 when we're finishing fifth or sixth mm. and uh, kids are no longer getting bullied at school for, follow Car- for following Carlton. <laughs> um, you know, in the meantime, I'm just going to have to take our AFLW grand final appearance in a couple of weeks is, uh, to get me That's through. That's optimistic. Uh, let's take a quick break now and we'll be back with Collingwood in just a moment. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Listener. 